Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, Christ United. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're in a series that is so powerful. It is Born Identity, discovering why um, you were born, you know, what it is that God created you to do, just who am I kind of thing. And so we have been in it and we've been discovering that it's way more than most people ever thought possible uh, what he actually created you for. Matter of fact, we kind of climaxed last week with this reality that you are actually have been made, if you were in a relationship with Christ, a new creation, and you were created to be like God. God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, if you think about what it means to be like God, and and the PowerPoint is not up right now from up here, and so I just want to kind of make sure that we're getting that right. All right, let's see. It's not, is it? It's not. There it is. Woohoo! All right. Congratulations. Thank you all so much for doing that up there. Can we give a hand to all of our tech folks who do what they do? All right, fantastic. Uh, That ain't working. All right. We're going to stop the PowerPoint, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to talk you through that sheet. How many people have a fill-in-the-blank, or you're on the, the app right now? Anybody on the app filling it in? Um, this is going to be powerful. We want you to roll through. There's going to be so much impact in your life. But here's what we're saying is last week we ended with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, and it said this, that you were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so when you start thinking about what it would mean to be like God in true righteousness and holiness then that's going to feel to you like, well, what in the world would that look like? You know what I'm saying? And what we learn is this. Throughout the the next large segment of the book of Ephesians, we learn that being like God in true righteousness and holiness is all about relationships. We were created for relationship. We were created in the image of God that we can have relationship with him and with others. And everything that is right and good has to do with how we live our lives in relationships. And so he goes on in chapter 4, verse 25, all the way through to chapter 6, verse 9. That whole segment, it's a large piece of the book of of, uh, Ephesians. It's saying that it's about how you live in relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. It's about how you live in relationship with your husband or your wife, with your children or your parents, with with your slaves or masters, which in our contemporary context is like bosses and subordinates, like owners and employees. How do you live in relationship? with the people who are around you, that's what makes somebody holy is getting that right, okay? So how many people feel like I get that right? I'm like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'm righteous in my marriage. I'm righteous with my parents. I'm righteous with my employees and my bosses. Most of us feel like maybe we aren't getting it exactly right. Well, this piece that we go into at the very beginning of this segment is the piece that applies to all of those relationships, And it is a piece of Scripture that I believe has the greatest relational impact of any other passage of Scripture that I know. We bring this to light with marriages, with relationships between parents and children, with friendships, with with bosses and subordinates. We, We bring it in all the time because it has so much power. It's Ephesians 
chapter 4, verse 25 through 32. And listen to what it says. You can just follow along in your Bible. If you haven't got an app, you can just follow Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. And it says this. He says, um, after having said, we're supposed to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. And then he says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. And then he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And then he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. By the time we leave here today, you're going to have a handle on that little segment of Scripture because it sets us up for getting relationships right. Okay? So you may then wonder as we back into that where he begins with saying, okay, you're supposed to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And the first thing he says then is, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Why does he begin to talk about what we speak? Well, if you remember, Jesus said it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. So what is in you is going to come out of your mouth. What's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth, whether that's good or bad. And the first point I want you to remember is this, and it's so important, is that it is ungodly to unleash it. In Ephesians 4.29, he says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It is ungodly to unleash what's in you when that is destructive and harmful and hurtful to other people. Now, I want to illustrate that. When I was in, in Bennettsville and pastored there for nine years, Evans Correctional Institute, a maximum security prison, is there um, outside of Bennettsville. Going into Evans and, 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 and ministering there and, and knowing some great Christ followers there, some wonderful people who are lifers in prison who love Jesus. It's an awesome experience. But, but coming back out of that prison... We got stopped in this little place at the front gate. And, and basically, they would let you into a chamber. And after you got into that chamber, they would close the door behind you. But the door to the outside was still locked shut. And then from behind a big bulletproof glass, they would examine you to see if you should really get out of there. You had to prove to yourself that you should get out of that prison. And once you proved to them that, that you should get out of prison, they would open the gate and let you the rest of the way out. Does that make sense? And so when it came to letting someone out of prison, it was you were examined to see if you should be let out. And if there was any chance you shouldn't be let out, you weren't let out. Because what would it be like? I knew some of the guys in that prison. Some of these guys were some young men that had jumped on a man with baseball bats and knives and just crushed him. Broke his teeth out and shattered his jaw and broke his ribs and stabbed him. And it was just horrific what they did to him for really no reason. Now, what would happen if the person behind the guard gate there were to just open up the door and let some guys out with baseball bats and knives to jump on somebody and pound them? That would be so evil to open that up. 
And yet there are wives here who do that with your husbands. The things that you say bring as much damage to their hearts and their spirits as if you were to open a gate and unleash on them men with baseball bats and knives. And you don't see it because men have a tendency to be fairly stoic and kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm, I've got it going on. It's like a friend of mine, Daryl, his brother died sitting beside him on the steps because he had been stabbed. You couldn't even see the stab wound. There was no blood on the outside, and yet he bled to death on the inside. And there are people in here who do this to others all the time. You do it to your subordinates. You do it to your husbands or your wives. You do it to your children or maybe to your parents. And you say words to them that are as evil and wicked as if you were to unleash a gang of people with bats and knives to just crush them. And so I would pray this. That any time that you ever begin to speak something towards someone, that you would envision what I've just described. Just teeth falling out of their face, just blood and broken bones and just violence being unleashed on them. Because when you unleash words, it does that. And it does not take a lot of words. All it takes is one. One word, stupid. One word, lazy. One word, jerk. One word, whatever that word is, you let that word out and it can bring that kind of destruction. There were also rapists. There were some guys in there who were gang rapers and had gang raped a, a young lady. Just, I'm going like, it's incomprehensible. What would it be like to open up that gate and release gang rapers to do whatever they would to someone on the outside? I promise you, gentlemen, in words that you say to your spouses, to your mamas, to your sisters, the words that you say can bring as much destruction to them. I just want you to think when you open your mouth, I might as well just be releasing some rapist on my wife or on my daughter or on my sister or on this woman who works with me. And if you begin to recognize that, that not letting any unwholesome, that word corrupt, rotten, destructive, you don't let those words out of your mouth because when you do, you are bringing great destruction. And here's the thing. People give themselves license to do that, especially with the people you love the most. You will say the worst things to the people that you are closest to. And so children will say it to their parents Parents will say it to their children. Spouses will say it to each other. The people that you're around the most and you're nearest the most, you will say the most horrific things to. So from now on, can you just do this? Can you just begin to envision it this way? And can you just say, if I open up my mouth, I want to think of it as though I'm opening up to release evil on somebody that I love. And that I can, you, you're going to leave a rapist with your wife for what, 10 minutes and then take it back? Are you going to leave a a gang of violent men crushing your husband for just a few minutes or maybe an hour or so before you take it back. It doesn't matter. After that, it's too late. You don't let it out. Make sense? So he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths any more than the person at the gate at Evans Correctional Institute would let a violent person or a rapist out of that. Don't you let those words out of your mouth. And so I want you to, you can write it down. Psalm 141 verse 3 says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. 
God, just please keep me from doing this. So how many people get it that to unleash it, it's ungodly to unleash it? Everybody get that, right? It's ungodly to unleash it. And I should, I mean, really, I'm wanting to raise this to another level because I am appalled at what we let come out of our mouths toward other people and my brothers and sisters, that just can't be. We've got to not do that. But then there's another piece of that, that it's ungodly to unleash it, but it's also a sin to keep it in. And let me just kind of illustrate that. If I had gotten to the gate at Evans Correctional Institute and I wanted to get out and they said, no, you can't get out. And they just kept me in. Would that be good? No. Now, we said that when it comes to your words, it's going to let out what's in your heart, whether good or bad. If you hold in what's good, guess what? You are keeping what's good from doing any good. People who don't speak what is good, if you don't speak the edifying words, if you don't speak the encouraging words, if you don't say the things to build other people up, if you don't say what's needed in the moment, then you are doing no good. You are actually locking that away and it has, has no effect. And so, so let, me, let me tell you how we know this from this passage. If you go to verse Ephesians 4, verse 28, um, no, verse 26, 27, 28. In verse 28, he says this. He says, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that may have, they may have something to share with those in need. He's saying, look, when you stop sinning and you get a new life and you put off the old and put on the new, you need to not just stop hurting people with your hands and stealing with your hands, but you need to start doing something good with your hands. In the same way, he talks about the lips and he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. It's not enough to just not say anything. It's not enough to just say, well, I never say anything bad, but I, I, I'm not really good at telling people how much I love them. You ever had a, a guy say something like, well, I told you I loved you the day I married you. If it ever changes, I'll tell you so, you know, it's like the reality is, is that we don't have that right. We don't have, we're told in the book of Ephesians chapter, chapter, um, no, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11, he says this, therefore encourage one another and build each other up. It's, it's a, it's a God-given responsibility. Guys, we were created for relationship and we were created to communicate. We were created to communicate love and whether that is verbally or with sign language or with, with writing, however it is that you communicate, you were created to communicate love. And when you say, I'm just not good at expressing myself and telling people how I feel, it'd be like somebody saying, I'm not very good at cooking, so I just never feed my children. Right? If you're not good at cooking, it doesn't mean you don't feed your children. You get some help, right? You get some help. You say, I'm going to do whatever it takes. My children are going to be fed. The truth is, is that God's saying to you, you don't have an option. You've got to speak the good. It's a sin to hold it in. And you've got to say what needs to be said. And I promise you, there'll be a day when you regret it if you don't. Right? It happens all the time when we come to funerals. Oh, I wish I had. And if only I had said, and I wanted to, and I always thought I would, and I never did. Every single day you need to be thinking that. All right, so it's a sin to keep it in. Now, how many people are ready to be a good Christian? Now, here's the picture of a good Christian. Here we go. Now, here's the picture of a good Christian. Picture Evans Correctional Institute, razor wire all around the edge, and we got all the bad stuff in there, and the Christian is the person who stands at the front and smiles and only lets good things out. 
And so that means that everything that I say is going to be good, and I'm always happy, and I'm saying nice things, and I'm building other people up, and I never say bad things, so I keep all that back here. And honestly, at this point, if we stop this sermon right here, it would feel like that's what a good Christian does. How many people realize that that is probably the most accurate description of what religious people are like? Jesus said it this way. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs that look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. How many people look at somebody who's smiling and saying nice things, but you can look past the gate. You can look back there. You can see all the violence. You can see all the anger. You know it's there. But they're just being sweet and they're talking nice. How many people have ever heard the expression about Christian people are fake, they're phony, right? They're two-faced because they're all the time smiling at you and they're all the time saying nice stuff. But you know that behind that, there's all this nasty stuff. And you know what we do? We accidentally create that. We create this idea that what the Bible says is don't say anything bad, only say what is good. And so since I don't say anything bad, I only say what is good. And I'm supposed to keep all the bad locked in so it doesn't get out. Then I keep all that locked in back here and I try to be a nice and good person and my life is miserable. Right? And so get this. This is why he said in that passage, he begins, each of you must... In verse 25, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Put off falsehood. Put off that fake. That's the word counterfeit is, is, is translated out of that Greek word in the New Testament. It's like stop acting and stop, stop pretending something's there that's not. There. You need to be honest. You need to speak the truth. So you need to get out what's in you. And here's why he goes on the next verse to say, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Here's what I promise you is if you've got it in you, bitterness, rage, anger, if you've got stuff in you, this is unfair. This is wrong. I'm mad. I'm, I'm, I'm upset. You keep that junk in you and you never express what you're feeling. Then guess what? The sun goes down on that anger. I just hold it in my heart overnight, one night. And what happens? The devil gets a foothold, a place from which to make a further advance. And I've got that junk in me, and it's in my heart, and it's back there ravaging, it's back there destroying, and I've got it in me because I just let it in by not getting out what's actually there. How many people just have to acknowledge right now, that's me. I never say what I really feel. I never speak what's really going on inside of me. Some of us have to admit that we almost never speak it. The darkness within us on the outside, sometimes the more you smile and the more you look and the more you act like everything's great on the outside, the darker the inside gets. And on the inside, you begin to get depressed or you begin to eat whatever happens because on the inside, I got all this junk. And you hold it back, and you know what? Every now and then there's a jailbreak. It gets out, and you get really bad. You know what I'm saying? And when it gets out, it's nasty. And you're going like, why was that so nasty? Why was it so disproportionate to the stimulus? You know what I'm saying? Something happens. Your kid spills milk, and you go, Bleh! you know, it's just you're crazy. And where did that come from? It, it came from this place because I got all this packed in me. And I'm not speaking the truth, and I'm not getting it out. Make sense? So let me just let you in on this little thing. As we look at this analogy, the analogy of, of the prison, 
Your heart was not created to be a prison. What does the Bible say your heart was created to be? You're created to be a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You're intended to be a dwelling for God. You're to be a a place for Him. And so he says, in verse 30 and following, he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. The Holy Spirit of God dwells with you. And it's like, don't grieve Him by being full of all this junk. Your heart wasn't created to be a prison where you keep all the nasty stuff hidden away from all the world. Your heart was intended to be a dwelling place where God lives by His Spirit. That Jesus Christ lives in you by His Spirit. That's what the Bible says. That's what we just read in the book of Ephesians. And so he's saying, I want you, therefore, not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Then he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it all. I want you to get it all out. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So he says, look. You're not to be that prison. You're to, you're to start get communicate and start getting out what's in you so that you can be free and you can be clear and you can be in a place where your heart's a beautiful place that people want to get, not something you have to hide from people. How many people here right now feel like your heart's something that has to be hidden from people? Because if people saw what I was really thinking and really feeling, right? And God's saying, I want you to be able to get that out. So how do you do it? The next, if you're filling in the blanks, the next thing is this, is that we know that it's, it's ungodly to unleash it and it's a sin to keep it in. So how do I get it out? It's like, be like God above, speak the truth in love. Be like God above, speak the truth in love. He's saying, you know, speak, speak right, speak truth, speak like God speaks and you speak the truth in love and you're going to be like Jesus. If you go back to Ephesians 4.15, it says this, that speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every way or um, in every respect, I think, um, the mature body of him who is the head, and that is Christ. So speaking the truth in love, we're going to grow to become who it is that God's called us to be. We're going to be like Jesus if we speak the truth in love. Do y'all get this fact? Jesus was not passive. Jesus didn't go around going like, well, they're really upsetting me, but I can't say anything because I'm a Christian. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't say anything. I'm supposed to be passive. I'm supposed to just let people kind of walk all over me, and I'm not ever supposed to express what I really feel. And, and Christians are, are nervous people who don't ever really say, that all they say is, God bless you, and I love you. Right? I mean, isn't that kind of how we paint the picture? G- d- have you read what Jesus said? He wasn't hesitant a bit to say what was true. He spoke the truth in love. He wasn't passive. He was very strong. He was assertive in what was right. He spoke the truth and he spoke it in love. Do you get the picture? God's saying, be like God. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. He never spoke something for the purpose of tearing somebody down. It was always for the purpose of of that they might benefit. By what was shared, even if it was rebuke, even if it was correction, it was why? So they would change. So you and I need to be able to speak the truth and speak the truth in love. Does this make sense to anybody? So how many people are like going, all right, yeah, this is great. 
You know, because what's in the heart is going to come out of the heart. And so it's, it's ungodly to unleash it. That makes sense. So I shouldn't unleash it. It's a sin to keep it in. So I should get it out. I should get out the good stuff. I should also help get out the bad stuff. And all I got to do is speak the truth in love and everything's going to be good. Thank you. How many people are going like, how do you do that? You know, like, how do I speak the truth in love? I mean, what... I got some practical advice here, right? Like, how am I going to do this? We got some practical advice for you. You ready? All right. First one is this. And when it comes to actually speaking the truth in love, we said it's a sin to keep it in. It's a sin to keep the good stuff in, right? It, you need to be able to speak the loving things, the good things, the right things. That needs to get out of you. That needs to be out. So let me help you with that first. When it comes to the encouraging things, and if you're filling in the blanks, you can see this. But when it comes to the encouraging things, first, you need to see it. You just need to recognize sometimes your heart is so full of junk toward people, you stop seeing all the good that you have in your heart toward them. And God's saying, first, see it. Just recognize you've got so many things for which you're thankful. You've got so many things about them that need to be built up and so many things that they need to be encouraged in. See it first. But then this next one is strange, but I promise you it'll work. Schedule it. And I'll tell you why I say schedule it. Schedule it. As in, just say, I need to talk to you. Can we talk Thursday? Because how many people here, I want a show of hands. How many people here keep thinking about a conversation you're going to have one day? Right? It's like we always think I'm going to say it eventually. Well, just go ahead and schedule it. Just go ahead and, and say to a person, you know, son, I need to talk to you. You know, mom, mom, I really want to just share something with you. And, and can we do that? Can we talk tonight? Can we talk tomorrow? Let's just schedule it. Does that kind of make sense? So you see it, then you schedule it, and then listen. Then say it. Just say it. You don't have to be really good at saying it. I want to tell you that lumpy grits and burnt bacon is better than an empty stomach, right? So even if I can't cook good, I should try, right? And God's saying, I don't care how good you feel you are, how bad you feel you are at saying it. Just do your best. Just start saying it. And say the things that you need to say to build up the life in the heart of the other person. Make sense to everybody? I shared this. Now, one great place to begin exercising this is in your C group. And we believe that there are probably more like about 175 or 200 of you who are meeting in C groups every week. Check in, let us know. We just want to, you, we want to know that you've got that support and those people encouraging you. But in one of my C groups, everybody knows this who does C groups, that there's a value that says confidentiality. It's confidential. What is shared in the group? Mm. That was awesome. That means all you guys have been doing it, right? What's shared in the group stays in the group, right? So I just want you to know that what I'm getting ready to share with you was given permission for me to share by the guy in the group. All right? He said, he said I, I would be happy for you to share it. So, so here's what it is. Got a guy in the group, and he's saying, my wife and I, you know, we've, we've, we've had struggles over, over some period of time. He said, I love her. I have all these positive feelings. I, I, I have such respect for her. But it's like we've grown so distant, and I can't even say the things that I feel. I'm just, I'm not really weird. There's just a kind of a distance between us. And so one of the guys in the group just said, schedule it. That's all he said, just schedule it. Why don't you just get it done, man? Just, just call her and say, hey, let's talk. You know, like, let's talk on January the 14th of next year. I don't care. Just get it scheduled, you know. 
And so he, he sends out a text to the group later that afternoon. And he says, I scheduled it. And we're going like, for when? Tonight. We're going like, whoa, you rock, man. You scheduled it for tonight. And he scheduled it for tonight. Some of the guys are texting back and forth. So we're praying for you because we know you love her, you know. And we're encouraged. And, and as, as he gets after that event, I'm waiting through the night wondering how it went. And I'm thinking, I don't care if it went good or bad. I don't care if they got in a fight and got locked up. They at least started talking, right? <laughs> but, but the next day, the next day, he sends out this beautiful text. And he talks about how precious the time was and holding his hand of his precious wife for the first time in a long time. And, and then just kissing, caring in a, in a way that, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, wow, wow. Just say it. See it. Schedule it. Say it. All right. Now, how many people are like, I, gotta do, I can do that? Can I, can I just ask you to do something right now? How many people here right now know there's somebody who could use some encouraging words from you? Raise your hand. Maybe at work, maybe at home, maybe a parent or a, a child or it may be, right? How many people here would just be willing to schedule it? Just say, I want to talk with you. Who would be willing to do that? I just want to talk with you. I just want to, I just want to, let's talk about a time when we get together. I just want to tell you some things. You know how blessed they're going to be when you do that? for them. All right. Next one is this though. But how about if it's not the encouraging things? How about if it's the difficult things or the dangerous things? How many people know what what I'm talking about? When it's the difficult things or the dangerous things, that's when I don't want to talk about it because it's going to blow up and it's going to be bad. And how many people have ever felt like this? If I let it out, it's going to be bad, right? Right? So, so here's the first thing you do. You ready? If it's difficult or it's dangerous, if it's something that you're feeling passionately about and whatever, it's first thing you need to do is restrain it. I want you to picture back to the Evans Correctional Institute. What I'm trying to do is get this thing cleaned out. I'm trying to get all this junk cleaned out because this wasn't meant to be a prison. It was meant to be a park, right? It's meant to be a place with peace and love. My heart's meant to be a beautiful place. And I got to get it cleaned out and I got to get them out of here, right? But right now, it's chaos in there. And right now, these strong, violent emotions are running amok and they're out of control. And I've just got to restrain it. By the time I bring them to the gate, anybody ever seen somebody being brought out of prison on their way somewhere else? Anybody ever seen that? They got them in four-point restraints, right? They got shackles on their hands, shackles on their feet. The shackles, the shackles are covered and they're doing this. Y'all ever seen that? Oh, come on. Come on. You've, you've never seen... You've never seen the Green Mile or something like that. But, but, but they're walking, they got the shackles, and they're, they're, they're making their way. Because why? Because you can look at them and you can go this. That they're obviously, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of potential danger there. But I'm not worried because they aren't going to be hurting me. The first thing you need to be able to do is restrain what's in you. We have a tendency to just keep it locked in a box and let nobody get near it. And we just let it run amok and wreck our lives and our hearts and make us nasty people on the inside. We need to restrain it and get hold of it and say, I'm going to stop you from doing damage on the inside of me. And you're not going to do damage to anybody else out there. So this feeling that I'm feeling in this mess that I'm doing, I'm going to get it restrained. I'm going to get it to where I can, I can control it instead of it controlling me. Does that kind of make sense? I want to tell you how to do it. Four-point restraints, remember this. When they, I felt. When they, I felt. Now watch how this works. It's crazy good. It's so easy. I just want you to recognize that most of the stuff that's in you that is so nasty, the bitterness, the rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, goes back to when they did something. And when they did something, you felt something. 
And it's more than just I felt mad. I felt hurt. I felt rejected. I felt afraid. I felt whatever. But when they, I felt. I promise you, if you start asking when they, I felt, and you try to get the answer to that question, what was it I was feeling? What was it they did? What was I feeling? You begin to get that thing under control, and you start going, oh, now I know what's going on in me. Can you try it? Now, I'm seeing some confusion over it, so let me illustrate, okay? Let's go to the next point. I need to restrain it, and then I need to reveal it. I need to bring it out into the light. If I'm going to get it out, i got to walk it out that door. i got to speak it. i got to say it. i got to get it out. It's got to get out from back here. Everybody make sense? i got to say something. i got to say something that's dangerous, it's difficult, but it's got to be said. But I've got it restrained so that I can bring it out and show you that this is what's in me, but it's not going to hurt you. Did y'all get that picture? It's in me, but it's not going to hurt you. I need you to see what's in me, but I'm not going to let it hurt you. That's restrained. Let me give you an example. How many people here have got a husband? Well, let me, let me do a fictitious example here. You ready? All right. It's your, it's your, hun- I mean, it's your, your anniversary and your husband is your 25th wedding anniversary. And your husband asks you permission to go deer hunting on your 25th wedding anniversary. And he, how many people are loving it so far, right? And because you're a good Christian woman, you say, well, if you really want to, I guess it would be okay. On the inside, you're going like, I could, I could rip your eyeballs out of your head for even asking that question you know what i'm saying but but oh yeah it's okay honey but anyway so so he goes hunting but he assures you but baby i'll be back and we'll have a good dinner tonight it's gonna be good all right so i'll be back i'll be back early you know so he's gonna be back early he's gonna be back at five but he's out hunting and he doesn't come back until 8 30 dinner was ready at 5 30 the candles were lit Worked on the meal all day long. The perfume was on. I had taken a bath. I had, I had put on my nicest dress, and I was just, not me, but you, you as a woman were doing that, right? <laughs> you had put on your nicest dress, and in comes your hubby. You know what I'm saying? In comes your hubby at like 8.35, and when he comes in at 8.35, he comes in and goes, Baby, you won't believe it. It was an eight point. I got an eight point. And you're thinking, like, I'm going to take those eight points and ram them everywhere. I am. And so what do you do? You unleash it. You unleash it. And what you say is stuff like, you don't care about anybody but you. You put hunting above your family you did it to your kids and your kids are a mess because of it you've done it to to me my whole life long my mother was right i should have never married you i i wish to god i was not married you i hate you now how many people have ever been in a place kind of like that what's problem is is she's getting out what's in her but she's unleashing it But what if she had it restrained? What if she has, when you, I felt? What if she were able to say, when you asked me about going hunting on our anniversary, I felt crushed. I mean, that was, that's our anniversary. It crushed me. But then I thought, I love you, and I wanted to do something for you. And so I cooked all day long and everything else, and I was so prepared for us to celebrate 25 years of loving you. And when you 
stayed out. Instead of coming home at 5.30, you were out until 8.30. I felt, number one, scared to death that you were out there hurt somewhere. I was terrified. And right along with the terror, I felt rage. I was so mad because I felt so rejected and I felt so hurt and it felt so unfair. When you, I felt. She doesn't have to say anything to disparage his character. She doesn't have to say anything to hurt him. She doesn't let anything, she doesn't unleash anything on him to harm him. She just says, what's in me? Does everybody get the picture? When you, I felt. Now watch this. You restrain it, you reveal it, you bring it into the light, and you say, this is what's really in there. You know what so many people do? They do that and they say, here's what's in here, and then they draw it right back in and say, so you better watch out, buddy. Right? Because it's like I'm drawing it right back in, so the next thing is release it. I, I restrain it, I reveal it, but then I release it. This is what the whole beautiful process of forgiveness is about. It's about saying, baby, I'm not going to hold that in my heart after today. I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm not going to be remembering tomorrow and holding it against you what you did tonight. I'm releasing it. I'm letting it go. Does that make sense? I'm turning this prisoner over to God and God can deal with that. But, but my heart wasn't meant to be a place to keep that and I'm not going to keep it. I'm going to release it. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to let that thing out of me and let it go. Now, do you get the picture of what it's like to have a difficult and dangerous conversation when you've restrained it and you reveal it and then you release it? And sometimes that's regarding stuff that's been a long time ago. Dad, when you came into my bedroom when I was a little girl, I felt. Right? I got to tell you what's in me and I got to get it up there and I got to let you see it and I got to have it restrained to where it's not sent to hurt you, but it's going to let you know what's in me. But then when it's there, I'm able to say, but I release it. I'm not bringing that back into my heart again. I'm releasing it. And then finally, the, the last word I struggled over, but it was resist it. And here's the reason we say resist it. I just want you to, to know this. Number one, when things are done to you that you feel like are terribly unfair, when things are happening around you that aren't right, Jesus didn't just say, okay, just keep it going. He was okay with saying this is unacceptable. And it's okay for you to say something's unacceptable. It's okay for you to say it's not acceptable for you to go back on the deer stand. Would you understand? Can we just agree that next year, if you go on the deer stand on our 26th anniversary, that when you come home, you will be alone for about a month to think about it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, let's just, let's just be clear. Let's just say that, let me just, I'm not being bitter or not being angry, but I'm just being clear and I just want you to understand. Does that make sense? I've got to, resi I've got to be able to be, a, G Jesus wasn't passive, he was assertive. He was able to say, look, this is unacceptable. And so can you, just, can you just make some clear boundaries and say, I'm telling you what I'm feeling, I'm telling you where I am. If you're dealing with a boss, let me give you a great example of this. It was beautiful. I want to tell you all about a, a sorry boss, all right? A sorry boss in a meeting, precious woman in the meeting is expressing a disagreement over something that she felt regarding the work in that business. And so the boss in front of everybody else told her how wrong she was and told her that she was miscommunicating the information and she wasn't seeing it right. And she left the meeting and was heartbroken. Okay. 
she was heartbroken. It devastated her being called out publicly and, and she was so embarrassed and so hurt. Now, it so happens that the person who did it was me. And the person that it was done to was a person who works here at the church. I actually just, it was one of those times when you just say something and you go like, I, don't, I didn't realize I was doing it, but boy, did I do something terrible just now. I hurt her so bad. I want, you to tell, I want to tell you what she could have done. She could have kept that in her heart and could have pretended it didn't matter. Oh, that, no, it, it didn't bother me, but just held it inside. You know what I'm saying? Let's just smile and let's just act like everything's okay, but let's not really say what's really in there. That would have not been good, right? And somewhere down the road, she would have probably just quit and left, right? But instead... She restrained it. She said, what am I feeling? What happened? She revealed it. She, she, she talked to me. She said, I just need to say it out loud. She said, when you publicly called me out in front of the other staff like that, she said, I felt attacked. And it made me feel like I didn't know if I could say what I really feel. And I'm going like, wow. Pretty powerful, right? And then she was clear. That just sitting okay, it's not okay for me to speak and for you to respond in a way that makes me feel, feel publicly humiliated for saying what I feel. Does that make sense? So she was able to resist it and say, say no, I'm not going to have that. How many people feel like you could do that? I can restrain it. I can reveal it. But then you know what she did? She released it. Guess what? Before I came out to preach this morning, guess who was laying their hands on my shoulders and praying for me? And praying with the most deep and beautiful sincerity. It was like the sweetest prayer I've received in this church probably since I've been here. And she was praying for me. And I'm going like, man, she released it, right? Can you do that? And then if you got somebody who's not going to respond well. What if you got the boss that when you say that just says, well, you just got to suck it up because I pay your salary and you do whatever I want you to do. What do you do then? The book of Romans says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We can't always get it because sometimes they won't do it. Right? Agreed? I haven't got control over what somebody else does, but guess what? I can still resist. I still won't let that in my heart. I still won't let the bitterness in my heart. I still won't let the sun go down while I'm still angry. I don't care what you do or don't do. I still have control over what goes in here. Because this heart wasn't created to be a prison where that kind of evil is stored up. It was created to be a place where God dwells. It was created to be like a park, a place of peace, a place people want to go. And so I can say no to it, right? Like, you know how they scan people before they go into a concert or something and say, hey, you don't belong here. You're not getting back. You're not getting in there. You need to, you need to resist it in your own heart and say, I'm not going to let that happen for one day in my life. So here's the invitation. And I'm hoping that at the altar there will be a lot of people who will respond to this um, because I know I'm going to be there. But I just want you to get in mind right now the people in your life that you're in a relationship with that you love. And this is your husbands or wives, your mamas and daddies, your children, your brothers, your sisters, the people you work for, the people you work with, the people who work for you, the people you go to school with. Just think about the relationships all around you. And God's saying, if you want to be like me, let's get these right. And what's in your heart is going to come out of your heart, but it's, a, it's ungodly to unleash it. So how many people here are going to say, 
God, I am not going to let that, I'm not going to give myself permission to let those things out of me ever again. But it's also a sin to keep it in. So if there's some good in there, I'm going to see it, I'm going to schedule it, I'm going to say it. If there's some bad in there, if there's some difficult, if there's some hard conversations, if there's some hurt there, I'm going to restrain it, then I'm going to reveal it. And then I'm going to release it. And then I'm going to resist it. And I'm just going to say, I'm not going to let that junk get back in me ever again. If you've got that business to do, I invite you to come and do it as we stand together. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.